to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. While you're turning there, I want to read you something. Um, This is not our scripture, but it will go along with our scripture. So y'all stay in Acts 8. John 17 says this, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said this. Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, of course, he's talking about himself. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. His disciples are around him. You know the story. I have glorified you on earth and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. He's talking to the disciples right there who would be the apostles, right? They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. You notice he said they've kept your word. We know they sinned. I mean, gosh, it's filled in. But they stayed the course. They stayed the course, right? For I have given to them the words which you have given me and they have received them and have known surely that I come forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Ooh, that's key. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. You know, he said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the believers. I'm praying for the guys you gave me. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep, your, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. I'll stop there. He goes on to pray for us, future believers. And he prays that the Father would allow us to be safe. And later on in 20, he says, I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. And he goes on to talk about the unity of the church. The church has gotten started in Acts chapter 8 and is starting to roll. And God brings about uh, some unique circumstances. At this point in time that we're about to read, Saul of Tarsus is Saul. He's not Paul yet. He's about to have an encounter like no other, right? So we read, and just before this, we have Stephen, who's the first martyr that we know of, at least, of the church that we read about or the guys that we read about. There certainly may have been another one, but... But, uh, but Stephen's the one that we, that we talk about and I've taught on many times and you guys uh, have heard about. So we're kind of in that, in that mode and God's got a way of getting the church's attention and most people want to look at it as negative, but you saw the spirit in which Jesus prayed for the church, for the believers, yet God put something called persecution that we're about to read about in the line of of the church, and they're in Jerusalem. They're in Woodstock. And God says, Jason, with his hand and his mind, it's time to get out of Woodstock. 
it's time to push it out. The church is ready to grow, and it's going to grow. As we know, we've read the story, and some people believe that the early church had 20,000 members very quickly out of the gates, and boom, she was rolling. She was multiplying. But it took persecution to get her out. And so we're going to pick up reading, and I'm going to read you several verses of Scripture in this story. But I want to talk to you about an account that you all know about, you've read, you've heard, you've probably had taught if you've been in the church a long time. Some of you may have very well taught lessons or preached. Some of you preachers may have preached lessons on it. We're going to talk this morning about Philip. All right. (laughs) Philip, the man from Alabama. Now, we're going to talk about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and what he did. And I titled this lesson, just made it up. I'm telling just wrote it up. So it's not from a lesson planner. Have you preached Jesus? That's the title of the lesson. Have you preached Jesus? And you'll get that scripture here in a minute. And we'll walk our way through. Might I say the very colorful people on the front row have just come straight out of the heart of India. Welcome back, guys. I know I talked to them last week. Y'all give them a hand. They got all these beautiful colors, and we shared many emails while you were gone. And at some point, I didn't know for sure they would be back today, but I talked to them last week, was going to ask them to share. They were in St. Louis and uh, doing some stuff there and relaxing as a family. So, y'all, if you get a chance to talk to them, please do. I saw some of you talking to them earlier, but welcome back, girls. Joe didn't go, but... He held the fort down. He held the fort down. So, welcome back. All right, so if you're in Acts chapter 8, we're going to begin reading there. Here's what I want to start. Once we are saved, our duty as Christians is to make disciples. You agree? Mega strategy of Jesus, right? Mega strategy of Jesus. David Platt said that is to make disciples. The more duplication, the better, right? Duplication of himself. So he picks 12, Philip. He picks 12, not 1,000, not 10,000, not three, 12. Don't know why, but 12. And he pours himself into the 12. And that verse of scripture that I just read you, or the chapter in chapter 17, is as he's preparing to lead the disciples. He wants them to know. He, they see the communication flow with Jesus and the Father. And he is all God, but he's all man. But he's now readied his apostles as he leaves. So the apostles in the early church are the guys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they had left Jesus, but now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and they're touching people and healing people just like Jesus did. They're preaching with great authority. Okay? You remember, they, they go through the road and people ask, and silver and gold have I none, but you, and they, they're rising people up just like Jesus did. The power of the Spirit's on the apostle. The apostles in the early church needed that boost and they began to have converts all over the place. So I wrote this down. We all have a duty in this great plan of God's called life. Alan Taylor says it and didn't know his daughter was going to be here this morning. But Alan Taylor says and teaches all the time. I'm sure Kelly would tell you and nod her head and laugh maybe. But Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, equipping of the saints, right? The equipping of the saints is a maturing process that we are equipped by someone who may have greater knowledge and teach us or 
mold us and disciple us. And then our duty becomes, we have those reaching out, whether it's 12, 3, 2, 1, whether it's your kids, whether it's your business partner, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your baseball team, whether it's your basketball team, whatever it might be. Some of you might have participated in the, uh, in the uh, what's the summer thing we have? All the kids, Vacation Bible School. And that's a major one. And you may develop a relationship where you pour into kids and they become discipled of you. So the disciple process is what Jesus was all about. Make disciples. So I want us to look at this great example of the first Gentile uh, convert, okay, that we know of. Okay, so let's jump in. Acts chapter 8. I've given you enough background there. And I'm going to slide backwards in a second and I'll give you a little bit more. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. Read with me. Everybody there say amen. All right, here we go. 825. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. What do you know about the Samaritans? They just loved them some Samaritans, didn't they? No, they didn't. They did not interact with the Jews, except for at the woman of the well that we studied a couple weeks back. The Jews considered them half-breeds, okay? They considered them part Jew, but the other side of that was when they got carried off out of the land for not doing what they were supposed to. People moved in, Joe, and they got intermarried, and there you go, and the Samaritans were born. Basically, that's it, okay? So, they're in Jerusalem, but read what 26 says. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. Go backwards with me just just for a second. They're, They're in Jerusalem. Persecution of the church breaks out. God allows it for a reason. You'll see why. It pushes them out. They go to Samaria, Samaria, Samaria where they will start preaching, and a revival breaks out. That's what we would call it, revival. Okay, look at 8.4. Therefore, those that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Notice that. They didn't go everywhere, Jason, preaching the word before they got scattered because who was in town? The verse right before that, who was in town? Saul. He was making havoc. God's going to deal with Saul here in just a few minutes. That's not our lesson, but he is. And so they went out preaching because they were, here's what happened, guys. If I just won a championship and I eat, sleep, and breathe sports, Mark, and I go to the water cooler the next day, what am I going to talk about? Show them the ring. Show them the ring, baby. (laughs) Talk about the championship. These preachers, these apostles have just been shown the championship of all championships. Jesus has risen. They know he's alive. They were all They all left him at the cross, except for what I read of John. John was there with Mary, and he says, treat her like your mother. But no one stepped forward with Jesus and was by his side. But when they saw him raise, it was a different situation. They are on fire. So when they're pushed out of the city, they can't shut up. They know what's going on in Jerusalem. They know Paul, who would become Paul. They know Saul's doing all this. But they go out, and they're preaching the word. Look here. Not an apostle. Not an apostle. Read verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Watch this. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles, which he did. 
miracles. It even says, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was a great joy in the city. How many of you have gone on mission before and spread the word of God and saw great joy in people that have never heard the word of God? Anybody? Several. We have quite a few mission-minded folks here. No feeling like it I hear in the world. Go into a city they don't know, Jesus don't even know. Hey, I remember, Letitia, last visit you went to India, you sent me a picture of two brothers. I didn't look this up, this just hit me. They were snake handlers. And you got off the plane and you sent me an email right when you got off the plane. We're here and I just met, and I'm sorry I don't remember the boys' names. Say it. Okay, so she does. And they raised snakes and the boys had never heard the name of Jesus. Never. Doesn't that seem impossible? But it's not. Philip is what we call, for us who are deacons, and there's several in here. When I was deaconfied, whatever you call it over at the local Baptist church, we studied Stephen and Philip and so forth. If you go back, we won't do that. We don't have time. You know about Stephen. You know that he was, he was brought. You remember the Hellenists and they weren't feeding the, 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 uh, the elderly folks, weren't getting their food, and the people began to pl- complain. Imagine the Jews complaining, right? And so they began to complain and said, our, guy, our elderly are not treated as your elderly. And, you know, and here we go. And the apostles said, wait a second now, we've got to preach. We need some fellas that are full of the Holy Ghost. I remember that specifically. It's in, it's in the book of Acts in chapter 6. And we got to get some guys out here that are willing to help feed the elderly, which was a command of Jesus and the poor. And so Stephen is picked, and you might have missed it. Philip's picked too. Philip's not an apostle, but he preached. And the lesson there is we're all called specifically to share the word of God. And so Philip comes on the scene here, and he begins to preach. And I don't understand why, but God gives him power in miracles. I do know that John and Peter came down, the apostles. Now remember, the apostles at this point are very much like Jesus, got the power and I don't understand that either, but that's what the scripture says, right, Jason? They, they knelt down and they prayed over these men that were going to go out and preach. And the power went from John and Peter to Philip and those that were preaching. And so they began to preach and God gave this power uniquely. And we call it sign and wonder miracles. Okay? So they're out there preaching. I know, don't get lost. Don't get lost. Stay with me. All right? Let's go back. Now you know where Philip's at. Let's go back. To the lesson at hand. Now an angel, verse 26 of the Lord, spoke to Philip. And by the way, if you parenthetically stop for a second and you want to write a note, put Old Testament right beside where it says angel of the Lord. It's interesting to me that right here we have a change, uh, uh, Rex. And you know, Acts, you went to school. Some of you uh, guys went to Bible college. Uh, I, I did not. But we have a changeover happening here. The church is being born. And I think it's neat how the writer here of Acts says... The angel of the Lord told him where to go. But just in a few minutes, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal the message. There's two different, two different ways used there. And everyone I read after said the Old Testament used the angel of the Lord. And the New Testament used the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this. Not that there wasn't a Holy Spirit there. Just follow me here. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. This is desert. Verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, 
a, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. But you're about to find out he's not saved. He's not saved. He come to worship. He is what most people would say he was in the, uh, the Jews' faith, Judaism, but he hasn't, he hasn't had an encounter yet with Jesus. Now, I may have known about Jesus based on what I read, but he hasn't met Jesus in his heart yet. Okay, so verse 28. And he was returning from Jerusalem from worshiping. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, not the angel of the Lord, but the Spirit. What's the difference? The Spirit is God. The Spirit is the triune God, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All one in three. I promise I'm not going there. We'll be here all day. But God in the Spirit, the angel of the Lord, directs him to where to go. And then the Holy Spirit, when he gets there, Jason says, You see that chariot? You better go catch up with them because that's your divine appointment. Now, I say that jokingly, but how many of you have been in a convenience store or a gas station or a grocery store or a place of worship or a place at business where God seemingly spoke to you and said, right there, see that lady, Miss Sonia? You need to get with her because she doesn't know Jesus and she needs to know Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you had it written down like red in the, in the clouds out here, but you got an impression on your heart and you could have sworn someone was talking to you in your head and your heart. And so you went over to Miss Sonia and you began to help her and you began to minister her. And next thing you know, Miss Sonia gets saved. And then after that, Miss Sonia gets saved, Miss Claudia gets saved. And next thing you know, salvation comes to the house of these dear people. How many of you have had that experience before? Anybody? Yeah. Well, right here... I'm going to give you three points when we close. I'm not going to do it during the message, but I'm going to give it to you at the end that, uh, that I think you'll, you'll, you'll be able to take home with you. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. What does that mean? What's that language mean? You got a rich man, okay, of a different skin tone than probably they normally associated with. Not that the Jew Jews were dark-skinned as well, but this is an Ethiopian. And he's a rich Ethiopian because he is over the accountings, if you will, of the treasury for the queen. So he's in a chariot. And as I understand it, and all the readings that I have, the chariot's moving, John, down the road. And this man has purchased a scroll, a copy of the book of Isaiah. Because he didn't have the Bible like Mark has. He purchased it, most believe, when he went to Jerusalem to worship. And he's reading it out loud. And literally, I envisioned this chariot going by, and he could hear him. I guess there was people passing by on the road that day. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit said, there he is. Go get him. And most believe, as we're about to read, that when he witnessed to him, Philip had to run along the side of the chariot while it was moving. Now, I want you to think of the times that you've witnessed and see if you've ever done that before. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, man, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So he's reading it out loud and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, 
How can I unless someone guides me? Boy, isn't that just, that's just flat out truth right there. We don't do that today. Here's what happens. God knocks on my heart's door and if, if I'm obedient, Ben, if I say, let's just say I say it this way. Have you ever been to church? Because we don't, t- today, see, we don't go right in for the kill like that, right? We don't say, do you know Jesus? Hey, have you ever been to church? I'd like to invite you to church. You don't even know them, right? Gotta have some relationship. We don't tend to do that. He just says, hey, would you, uh, would, you, would you like to go to church with me? Here's what this guy said. Instead of doing what we did at one point or some of the people you witnessed to, you know, you know what that person's likely to say? Oh, I go to church. They ain't been to church in 30 years. But, oh, I go to church. My mama was a member down at Elizabeth. Well, that don't mean you go to church, and that's really not why I'm asking you because the Holy Spirit told me to ask you if you knew Jesus. But I didn't ask it that way. Notice what the Ethiopian said. How can I understand this stuff unless someone explains it to me? You know what I call that? The great call to Sunday school teachers. Alan would like that too. He said, I need a teacher. I need a teacher to teach me and show me. And if it would have been me, I'd have said, well, I don't know much, but let me give it a shot here and let me tell you about Jesus. Watch what happens here. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? That, I just, that is truth right there at its best. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. You see, that's happening out in India today, right? I haven't been to India. But that's happening in Brazil, in Brazil, particularly Africa, where you've been going. They are saying, come on in and share the gospel. That's not going on in America right now. They're not doing that. We talked in our, in our uh, group over here led by Alan and Rosemary this morning how that our culture just operates in a different way because we've heard of Jesus and we know who Jesus is and Bibles can be found by the dozens dusty on the shelves in people's houses. But we don't say it like this guy said, come on in and tell me because I don't understand. We camouflage it because, and I'm so guilty of this, maybe not in this particular scripture, but in other ways of just not wanting people to know how weak we are and knowing that we don't know and we need to know. The place in the scripture which he read was this. You guys know this scripture from Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation his injustice was taken away. And who will declare his, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? I want you to get this and then we'll go on from here. Listen. God sends an angel to tell this man where to go. So here we go. Go to Roswell Street in Sandy Springs, and you will meet a man in which I send you to go. Then he gets there. He goes. He gets there, and the Holy Spirit says, there is that car, that chariot. You need to go get him. There he is. And he goes. And I want you to understand this. While he's going, while he's going along the side and trying to get his attention... He has no idea what he's going to say. He's just doing what God said to do. But at the same time, watch, let's flip the page. At the same time, the Ethiopian doesn't know Jesus. He goes to Jerusalem. He has lost as a ball in high weeds, as we say in the South. He doesn't know, but he has a desire to go worship. 
in the house of God. He goes to worship. Something happens in that worship service in town that day. I don't know if they told him about Stephen that had just happened prior. Or I don't know if he saw Paul beating people and pulling people out. Or I don't know if he heard about the resurrection of Jesus. But he's on his way back. He buys a scroll. And God has him set up. And the Holy Spirit brings them together. And the Ethiopian gives the key to it all when he says... Jump up here in my chariot and tell me what this scripture means. And I think, I think Philip probably was saying, I have no idea what God's going to give me to say, but I'm just going. All I know is I just touched these people and they became whole. I need to go. And it's so neat how, guys, we don't have to prepare the Ethiopian eunuch. He's already prepared. God has tilled his heart and he gets there and he opens his mouth and magic happens, as we would say. The Holy Spirit does his work. And they began to literally socialize together. But here's what we do. God, we are like the prophet Jeremiah. Just go and open your mouth. I'm too young, Lord. I can't. I mean, Lord, I'm, I'm 16. Moses. I can't talk. I'm slow of speech. I have a stuttering problem, Lord. The Lord gets, you know, here's Aaron. You know, okay, here. Jeremiah, just go and talk. We give excuses, but here I don't see that. Philip must have been excited by what was going on and what was happening in the early church. So Philip is, it says in 35, then Philip opened his mouth. That's why I said what I just said. He, He opened his mouth and Here it comes, and beginning at the scripture, he what? He what? He preached Jesus. Titled lesson, have you preached Jesus? Have you preached Jesus? How do you preach Jesus? Well, Jeff, I'm not called to be a preacher. Well, okay. Uh, All right. That's not what I'm talking about. He preached Jesus. Here's what he did. Philip, he, he, he pulled up and gave him a glass of tea, like we do in the South, and he said... All right, let me explain some things to you. Isaiah is not talking about himself. As I understand it, this man called Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He went and he began to just tell him what had happened, right? Here's what happened. See, Jesus came on the scene. He was born of a virgin. And he just began to tell stories. Tell the story of Jesus. He preached Jesus to him. Watch what happens. Now as they went down the road, sorry, I've been loud. As they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. By the way, isn't that amazing? There's not much water over in Jerusalem. If you know about it, it's dry there. But they come up on some water. And the eunuch sees the water, and he knows enough whether he's been preached baptism or whether he heard about it, which he probably did when they went in because all the Christians were going nuts and they were baptizing and they were trying to kill the Christians because they were flipping over Judaism right there in front of them. And they said, we don't want any part to do with Jesus. He's not our Messiah. Our Messiah is going to be a political hero and he's going to flip the Romans on their ears. No. Your political hero is going to be a lamb and he is going to be silent. And he is going to go to the old rugged cross. And he is going to die for your sins in your place. And when he dies, he is going to be resurrected and come back and and abolish death. I mean, this is not what the Jewish people had in mind. This was not going to do anything for them. Politically. Save their soul. But 
So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and, and, and he, was, he baptized him. Now when they had came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Bye, Philip. You've done your duty. Now I need you 20 miles down the road, which, by the way, is about where he went. So that eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You, know, you notice it didn't say, and the eunuch stopped. And he wondered where Philip went, and the rest of the scripture was about Philip and where he went. Nope. I do believe it. I do believe God whisked Philip away. If you study that word, Jeff, it is snatched away. The church is going to be snatched away one day, whether you believe it or not. And uh, who was that old prophet that got snatched away and never died? Elisha. So he gets snatched away. This is the same word. He disappeared. And the eunuch never even, it's not even recorded that he even noticed. You know why? A change has taken place. Mark, a change has taken place. And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem and wanted something. And he just didn't know what it was, Philip. And then your brother Philip, he gave him the good news. And he gets saved and baptized. And Philip disappears. And the eunuch says, I'm going to get on my chariot. And I'm taking this message back to Ethiopia, and most early writers say, it's never recorded again in the scripture, that he was the first evangelist into Ethiopia. And the scripture works together. God prepared the heart of the eunuch, God prepared Philip, and he must obey, and he did obey, and they get together, and now the gospel is charioted, if you will, into Ethiopia, and Philip goes down the street, and begins to preach to someone else. So here's the question. Because i got to close. Man, what happened to our time? Y'all talk too much at the beginning of the service. Alright. Here we go. I didn't even get to look at my notes. Three points from this scripture. Three questions. Is your heart tender enough to hear the Spirit's call? Whether you're supposed to go with Rex and Alan next time to Africa or Brazil, or whether you're supposed to go to India, or whether you're supposed to go where all we, we go in this class, or whether you're supposed to go down to the subdivision next door to you or across the street. Listen to me. Are you, is your, rather, heart tender enough to hear the Spirit's call? Philip went immediately. Here's the question. Would you? Have you? See, I've got this guy on my heart right now. My wife might know it, but she might not. She'd know who it was. And this guy and this family is lost. And watch me now. I'm, there's some difficulties to deal with. There's alcoholism. There's things that are there that when you disciple people, it messes things up. It's not easy to do. And you invite them to church and then you have to explain all these things. There's just a lot of complications, Joe. But God says, invite them. Meet with them. You know, we make things so tough, but Philip immediately said he would and 
be careful. Make sure you hear God and not you. Don't let me put a message in your mind this morning that's not of God. You know if it's of God. He, he's not very often going to write, as, as I say a lot, in the clouds this morning. Wouldn't that be weird if all of a sudden he did that? No. But he's probably not going to do that. But you know what? You know in here when God says, that's your guy. That's your girl. That's the family you're supposed to speak to. Jeff, the name's right there on your Bible study. Why do you keep ignoring it? Why won't you pick up the phone? Jeff, he called and left you three messages last week. I'm doing all I can do on my end, Jeff. Does that ever happen to you? Please tell me it does, because if not, I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying, Rex? Is your heart tender enough to hear the Spirit's call? Here's a quote. It is just as bad to run ahead of God as it is to run behind God. So keep that in mind when you're listening. Build relationships. God oftentimes will not do what we saw done here. This is an awesome story of a convert that we need to see. And you know what? There's a lot more here than I have time to get into. I mean, honestly... He uses a non-apostle to get saved an Ethiopian eunuch of a different race and nationality to get the gospel into a place it's not at. And he's not a Jew, which was, by the way, a huge deal. Gentiles are coming. There's a man coming, and he's about to get dealt with here in about a few sentences later. Number two, are you urgently persistently for the cause of Christ? Are you urgently, persistently for the cause of the Spirit? Let me explain. The Bible teaches that God is three in one, and we know that the Holy Spirit is God. I mentioned that earlier. He has a unique duty, the Holy Spirit, as part of the three that is one. He testifies of Jesus. If you want to write a note down, we don't have time. John 15, 26. Jesus said, when he comes, the helper, the comforter, he is going to testify of me. That is the Holy Spirit's duty in the Godhead, is to testify of Jesus. The Bible, central thing, Jesus. God teaches us about Jesus. Jesus is the way that we get to God. The Holy Spirit points that out to us. So, are you persistently and urgently about the cause of the Spirit, which is... To testify of Jesus. The Holy Spirit prepares hearts to accept Christ, but he uses human instruments like you and me to share the story, the gospel, and the testimony. Could he use animals? Yes. Could he use earthquakes? Yes. Could he use all kinds of things? Yes. But he chooses to use you and me, Joe. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. So are you tender enough? Are you persistent or urgent enough? And lastly, are you instant to the commands of the Holy Spirit? God wants instant obedience. Philip ran to the chariot. We tend to... (laughs) I say we, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I tend to mull over God's plan as opposed to God says, be instant, 
go do it. I'll give you the words. And you miss half the blessing if you try to figure it out like a mathematical formula. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've done the mathematical formula and it's worked out. But God made me miserable while I was working out the mathematical formula. Here's what I'm saying in this, in this, in this lesson. Who lives with you, beside you, you work with, you influence, you go on mission, you're at church beside of, all these things. Who does God put your sphere of influence around that you are to be like Philip and preach Jesus, teach Jesus, show them Jesus? See, so some of us can't just preach it. If you don't show it, they won't smell that aroma of Christ on you and they will run from we said in here, in, in, our, in our message in here uh, before with Alan, we talked about people that have seen saints that weren't very saintly, but they claim to be Christians. And they use that as an excuse all their life not to give their heart to Christ. And that's, hey, somebody's going to be dealt with on the judgment on that. Now, they're going you know, to go to hell. That's the ultimate punishment. But you may have to answer for that. You told that person about Jesus, but then you live like this. And they were sitting there watching you live like that. I heard what you did at the golf tournament. Awesome. I don't care if you won the golf tournament or not. I'm sure you wanted to win the golf tournament. She was up by 11 strokes up in St. Louis. And somebody who was keeping her scorecard, tell me if I'm wrong, somebody who's keeping a scorecard messed up a couple of holes and put the wrong scores, and she's up by 11 strokes, and she called in and disqualified herself. That's what Christians do. I'm proud of you. It's good stuff. Your trophy awaits in heaven. You remember that lesson? Earthly trinkets or heavenly treasures. Choose Heavenly treasures. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Philip. Thank you for the message of the Ethiopian eunuch. God, I pray that I've said what you want me to say today. And Lord, with the um, humbleness that you want me to say it, I hope that the message goes through. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us in the next hour. Help us to realize who you've pointed us for our sphere of influence to witness to and to be that Christian that maybe would be able to reach them God is so complex if we begin to think about it, but you make it so simple. And what I mean by that is all the things that happen for a person to get under the conviction, they're all of you, Lord. All we have to do is be the human instrument that does what we're told to do. Help me to be that human instrument. Help these people understand my voice and the people that might listen in the podcast from weeks or months down the road or even years down the road. Lord, I pray that they would do what you call them to do. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.